It's the last stand. And here is your host, Brian Custer. That's right. It is the last stand. We bring you the biggest names in the sport. And I'm Brian Custer. Joining me today, he's one of the greats. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. He's the former unified super middleweight champion of the world. He's the former unified light heavyweight champion of the world. Five-time world champion. He went by the moniker Son of God. He is Andre Ward. What's up, Dre? It's good to finally be on. It's been I like know. Two years in the making. Man, it's been a long time. We've been trying to get you, Hall of Famer. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Man, it's good to be you these days. Man, it's a blessing. Uh, so you have a new documentary dropping on Showtime in June, mm -hmm. uh, SOG. Mm -hmm. You got a new book, Book of War. Mm -hmm. Tell me why is now the time for the documentary? Why is the, now the time for the book? Well, the doc, the doc is uh, called SOG Book of War, yeah. and then the book is coming as well. Okay. Um, it's a time and a place for everything. And, uh, you know, the doc is really about seven years in the making. And I just got to a point where it started to become selfish to not tell my story because it's a lot to tell. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think uh, the boxing media, as long as I was around, fully got my story and fully understood me. Um, some did. And some of that is because I didn't tell it. And some of it was because of perception. People had a preconceived notion of who I was and they just stuck with that. But this is going to bring it full circle where I think even my harshest critic will say, man, I may not agree with everything, still with him, but I, I get him a little bit more. And hopefully the ones that have been following me yeah. can say that this is a confirmation of why I've been following him. Because I think from the people on the surface, when they look at Andre Ward, they say, man, this guy, Christian guy, God-fearing man, good family man. And yet when you go peel back the layers, this was a guy who grew up in the Bay in the yeah. streets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, parents had addiction issues. Father died a young man. What was that like? Give me the young Andre Ward. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I don't want to paint a picture like I was, you know, in the streets my whole life. You know, I had my, I like to say, my season yeah. of rebellion. Um, but I, I grew up as a normal kid. I just had, like, abnormal situations going on. You know, it's not normal to have a parent or both parents addicted. You know, one was functional and mm -hmm. was there every day, and the other one wasn't. Um, but even with my dad being functional, man, he was a great man. My father was a great man and gave me my foundation in, in the faith, gave me my, you know, I wanted to box because of him. You know, I heard about him fighting as an amateur, and I'm like, man, I, I want to do it. Right. So I, I'm fighting because of him, and his life is still speaking through me to this day, but he just had, he had a struggle that it was, it was really hard to shake. And, and for my mother, um, she was in San Francisco and, you know, was in and out of my life. And, but I was just a young kid trying to figure it all out. And then you get to a certain point where, now I'm this phenom, and I'm pretty much giving up a childhood to be this number one boxer in the country starting at 10 years old. And you miss out on a lot. And plus, I'm seeing my parents' struggles. And then the, the resentment starts to build, and you start to get it. Like, oh, mom's not here because she's struggling. Mm. Oh, man, I'm, I'm noticing why my dad isn't being acting like himself. That's when the rebellion started to set in, and I started to break away from I guess the way I was raised and started running in the streets. And, and, and tell me, did, did you always love boxing? At, at what point did you have a struggle yeah. with the sport on like, you know, I'm great, but is this my path, so to speak? I mean, I always loved it. Like me and my brother started boxing uh, roughly about the same time. He liked it. Like he was watching cartoons after the gym. 
I'm watching Gillette Tuesday night fights yeah. after the gym. I'm I could tell you the outfit Roy Jones had on, his shoes, his socks. So I was I was in it. Just given everything that I said, though, you just get to a point where you burnt out. Mm. And I wanted my freedom back. And I got to a point where I didn't care about boxing, the Olympics. I mean, I can remember telling Verge, being 17 years old, 18 years old, I'm like, I don't care about the Olympics. Wow. I don't care if I go or not. Yeah. And him saying, son, you don't know what you're saying. He said, if you let this pass you up, you'll never live it down. Wow. And I would fight with him verbally, like, no, oh, you tripping. But when I hung the phone up or when I left the room, I knew he was telling the truth. And I'm grateful that I had a man in my life that when my father passed, he stepped right in. That could be honest with me, man, because I wouldn't be sitting here right now. And, and, and talk to me about how you met Virgil Hunter, because obviously you had him for, he was your trainer yes. from the beginning. How did you guys meet, and how did that affect you when your father passed? Well, I was uh, training with another trainer at the time um, in, in Hayward, California, and um, Virgil just happened to be there, and this trainer had a different style. This trainer, the guy that I was training with, was more like take two to give one. And my dad grew up loving Ali. He tried to box like Ali the whole nine. And he was just off to the side talking to Verge while I was hitting a heavy bag. And he was like, man, I'm just, you know, I'm looking for the right situation for my son. And, you know, he started talking. And Verge said, what you looking for? He said, I want to teach my son how to hit and not get hit. Verge said, that's my specialty. That's what I do. And it went from there. Wow. What about when your father passed? You you were a young guy with teen. Yeah. yeah. Talk to me about how, how did that affect you as a man? I mean, he, he was here today going tomorrow. You know, he, uh, I just won a tournament called the Under-19 Championships. Uh, I was 18 years old, and uh, we had just got back from the tournament. It was in Reno, which is a couple, about three, four hours away from where I was living, uh, Reno, Nevada. And um, a week or two passed after that tournament, and my dad was there. Mm -hmm. He made it there. Last time he ever saw me fight, I actually have the, the, the ticket that he bought. I found that mm. throughout this process with the doc. That was the last time my dad saw me fight. We were supposed to run one morning. And my dad don't miss days. And he's like, son, I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling well. You know, is it okay if we miss it? I said, yeah, go ahead, you know. Come back when you feel better. A couple of days later, I got the call, man. He had a he had a severe heart disease. And he, you know, he had a heart attack at 46 years old. And the part that I struggle with is, did he know he was sick? Mm. I found out that he went to the emergency room in Reno. Don't know why, though. Didn't say anything to us about it. And they said that his heart was so bad, he should have been on a, a list for a transplant. Wow. And I couldn't see it in the moment, but when I look back at the photos from that time, he looked sick in the yeah. past. What are you hoping people get from this documentary and, and when they read the book? It's a lot. Um, a few things would just be, you know, that you can be more than what you come from. You know, you may come from a hard background. You may have statistics uh, that, that are working against you, uh, but you can still rise above that. Um, I think faith is a big component uh, for me. Like, faith is not like a crutch for me or just something that I try to just walk around talking about. I try to live it, you know. It's mm -hmm. not easy, but mm -hmm. I try to live it, and, and it really saved my life and sustained me throughout my career. If I didn't give my life to God, I wouldn't have been the boxer that I was. Um, and y'all would have been reading about me several times throughout my career on the ticker on ESPN. Mm. You, you would like to tell yourself that wouldn't have been the case, but I needed that kind of discipline and that kind of power in my life. So I hope faith is something they pulled from that. And even the biracial piece, my father was white, my mother was black, and, and sometimes struggling with, you know, not being black enough growing up as a kid, 
right? But then being black and, and the white side, not my personal family, but just the world not receiving you right. and having to work through that, find myself, find my voice, find my confidence, and then be thrust on a world stage, man, and try to deal with all that pressure. I hope that people see how I navigated that web, even the mistakes that were made and how I overcame that. I hope people get inspired, man. This is a documentary. It's not a sports doc. Yeah. It's a human interest piece. Yeah. Um, I hope a grandmother can pull something from it and an athlete and everybody in between. And, um, yeah, that's that's the takeaways that we want you to have and, and probably many more. And Virgil became calm, almost like a, a, a father. Well, he was playing a dual father role even while my dad was there because he became my godfather. So he's my trainer for a while, and, and then he became my godfather. So when he passed, man, he was like – he was the ram in the bush. He was that – he was the one that was there to step in when my father was gone, and I, I don't know where I, where I would be without him. Why do you think you clicked so well with Virgil and was so successful? Because there are a, a number of fighters who've been under Virgil, and when they've left, they was, look, he was intellectually great. It just didn't fit my style, but yet it fit you perfectly. Why? Virg has a big heart, and he wants to save everybody. And I think for him, he'll see a project, a fighter that's coming off two losses, a fighter that needs to win or else it's over with. And in his mind, he wants to help that. He calls them kids, you know, because yeah. he's an older man. He'll hit, try to help that young man. And he'll start tinkering. And he's he's allowed guys' career, Mir Khans and Bertos, to extend far beyond what they should. But personally, me... I don't think that – I mean, have those, have the projects, but then I, I think he should have held out for the right one. Mm. Because what that does is now people say, oh, he couldn't do it with these guys. Well, you got to look at what he was working with right. in some of those cases. Very difficult. Like, he had to repair these guys psychologically, physically get them back and let them know and, and help them believe that, man, you can win. And he did that. But he doesn't get a lot of credit for that. I would have liked him to have been a little bit more patient and just waited for the right guys. Not quantity, but quality. Mm. So I don't think he really or really gets the due that he deserves because of because of that. But I'm going to say this, like for me personally, whether it's Virgil or anybody else, all I have to do is see you take a fighter from scratch and make him into a champion one time. And I know you're a great you're a great trainer. Wow. Uh, he was he's a phenomenal trainer because he not only made you a champion. I mean, you go to the Olympics, you win the gold medal. And let's let's be honest, you're still the. Last American male That's crazy. to win a gold medal in boxing. I can't believe it. What does that mean to you? It's, 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 it's more bitter than it is sweet. Like, it's interesting. Like, man, I was the last one. But then, but then I start to think about how much talent we have. We have the greatest talent in the world. And most of the time, we got more money than most other countries. What's the problem? Yeah. I feel like I got some answers on what the problem is with the team and how we run things. But... It shouldn't be that way. I mean, you look at, you know, um, 76 and 84. I mean, we were feared on the international scene. When we showed up, the other countries feared us. They had to reckon with us. We're a laughingstock now. Mm. They look at us like spoiled brats who got too much, and I'm going to show these Americans what we have. It's just sad. So interesting on one respect, but very disappointing on the other. So, so you you retire, man, in uh, 2017. You were 33. You were so young. <laughs> Unbeaten. Why? I think it was time. And not only that, you know, you got you to gotta, you gotta date back. I started at, at nine. Yeah. So that's 23 years. And I really wanted to be done two, three years before I walked away. And uh, 
My wife was like, nah, it's not time. Check with my pastor. Hey, it's not time. Be patient. It's coming. And you just get to a point, cuss where, man, it's, it's, I gave my whole life to it. And I had an abnormal, I would say, work ethic where if I didn't have somebody pulling the reins, I would overdo it every time. So I'm pushing myself like this year in and year out. The body starts to break down. The time away from your family, you start to add up. And I appreciate all of this. It's a blessing. But I knew that this is not my true calling. Like, this is what I'm doing for this season of my life. But I wanted the freedom to do other things, like write a book, mm. create my documentary, and do other things. Like, I'm a minister at my church. And that's what my true calling is. This other stuff is cool. And God uses it, you know, to, to teach you, break you down, build you back up, and, and all that kind of stuff. But that's not what my true calling is. You get to a point where it's like, man, I'm ready to, I'm ready to pivot and do something else. Was it important to you to retire unbeaten? Oh, yeah. I, man, I, man, listen. I, I'm a, I'm, I can be a sore winner and a sore loser. Like I'm that competitive. Like I don't like to lose at anything. If I had a loss on my record yeah. right now, yeah, I probably think about it daily. <laughs> probably be something I have to work through daily. Like, yeah. man, if I'd have just, uh. yeah. So I'm glad I got that. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I got that. That Kovalev fight. That that one, you know, that was something. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was that the essence of Andre Ward that fight. Yeah, I like I like uh I mean Kovalev two is, is cool. Yeah. Kovalev one is where it's at. Mm -hmm. You know. It's it's interesting, man. Like I, I feel like, man, that's one of the, the greatest comebacks in boxing history. You look at where he was yeah. at that time in his career. Right. You look at where I was coming off of the layoff, coming up in weight, and then getting knocked down like that in the second round, yeah. early like that. That fight wasn't supposed to go to a decision. Um and the way that Verge coached the way that I responded, and you look—you guys are gonna see in the documentary all the issues I had in training camp. The fight almost got canceled three or four times. Grotesque swelling in the knee and modified train. I'm like, dude, this is the biggest moment of my life against this dude. I don't need this right now. And then overcoming that to get my hand raised—that's that's the one. Kovalev wow. one. That 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 showed what I was really all about and confirmed that, that, that I'm worthy to be a Hall of Famer. Why did Andre Ward and Gennady Golovkin never fight? They didn't want it. Flat out. They didn't want it. And, um, you know, you got to give Tom Loeffler his credit. Hmm. Because he took a guy that wasn't from here, that had a kosher relationship with HBO. HBO built him and helped him find his voice when he didn't have a voice. Tom Loeffler was able to get HBO to match him just right, present him a certain kind of way. And here's the thing. Golovkin is a good fighter. He's an Olympian. What, 300 amateur fights? I don't think we saw how good he could have been or what he really was made of because he didn't fight elite guys. But they maneuvered him, maneuvered him, and really the end game was Canelo. Mm. Then he had the fights with Canelo. And, but Tom Loeffler stuck to the plan. I was bad for the plan. And he didn't get distracted. And you got to respect him for that. He did the right thing. I know I got I to gotta wrap it up here, but there's a couple questions I got for you. N number one, do you think the Super Six put Andre Ward on the map? Yeah, definitely. That was sink or swim. <sighs> yeah. The guys I, you went through? I was a young pup. I was either going to sink yeah. or swim. That could have been a career ender if I didn't respond the right way. Yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, did it ever upset you that people throughout your career were like, oh, he's too bland, he's this and that, he's not box office? It depends on who you're talking to. Did that ever? So those voices get a lot of get a lot of shine, but you got to look at the voices that didn't say that. Yeah. So the ones that showed love and gave just do, man, it's a blessing. The ones that didn't, 
It's a blessing, too. Spence uh, Crawford, who do you think wins that fight? Man, you can't call that fight. That's too tight. Too tight. It, man, that's, man, just sign it. Yeah. Get back it official. Canelo Benavides, who do you think? Ooh, that's a good one, too. Yeah. That's a good one, too. You think that's no? a good one, too. Uh, who's the next big thing in boxing? Shakur Stevenson. Yeah. yeah. That's, your, that's your guy, huh? Um, all right. It's time for the last segment of the show. We call it the last stand. I'm just going to ask him a series of questions. You give me first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Here we go. Toughest fight for Andre Ward? Edison Miranda. Hmm. Not go for left one, huh? Nah. Um, who's the next all-time great of the sport? Shakur Stevenson. Shakur Stevenson. Okay. Um... Greatest rapper from Oakland, Hammer, Mac Dre, or Too Short? Oh, that's hard. That's hard. <laughs> I mean, look here, that's what. Max you. <laughs> you from Oakland. I know, Max you. You <laughs> came up with the question, so you got an opinion. I like Too Short. Yeah? Yeah. That's, that's my hard. dude. I can't answer that oh, one. Oh, boy. Give me the one. Big fight that Andre Ward was this close to having and never came through. Man, I don't want to say this close to having, yeah. but the one that <sighs> slipped away, I guess you will, if you will, is is maybe Anthony Joshua. What? If I would have continued fighting, I was what? not going to campaign at light heavyweight. Yeah. My plan was Tony Bell, you okay. cruise away, and yeah. that's, you know I respect Tony. That's a brother of mine in the sport. Get past that, Anthony Joshua didn't retire. Wow, man, that's good stuff, man. That is good stuff. Uh, last but not least, in your opinion, Andre Ward the GOAT? Ooh, man, you put me on the spot. Andre Ward the GOAT. I, I can't call myself a GOAT, but I appreciate the ones that do. <laughs> I'll do it for you. It's one of the GOATs. Yeah. Unbeaten <laughs> Hall of Famer. Uh, Son of God, Andre Ward. Man, I wish you nothing but the best with the book, yes. with the doc, and just everything you do, man. I've Custer, I appreciate it, man. Thank always you. love you, man. Thank you. Always love you. You know I love your work. I uh, appreciate you. Hey, listen, that's what we do here on The Lax End. We bring you the biggest names in the sport. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Doesn't get any better than one of the goats right here, Andre Ward. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you again next week.